Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 10. Weird week, man. Weird week. Yeah, weird week, no doubt. Um, Ahead of time, if my voice starts going, if I start blowing my nose in the middle of the podcast, I had a football coach that once asked me during a game, are you hurt or are you injured? <laughs> I'm playing a little hurt this evening, mm-hmm. so just wanted to, to let you know in advance so flu game little flu, little, game. little flu game action little under the weather but we'll get through it absolutely absolutely mike we've got a lot of games we've got a recap we're live right now uh it is just a couple minutes after midnight on the east coast we are live at youtube.com slash at the acc football podcast uh really appreciate those in the chat that have joined us here uh to join in the conversation help direct it with us as we go um if you're listening to this later you know First of all, thank you for your download. Thank you for listening. Second of all, you know, if you wanted to come join us, um, go to youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell icon. You'll be notified when we are set to go live, uh, as we have been doing a lot of times Saturday nights after these games end this season. So uh, appreciate all of you all for listening. Appreciate the folks that are here in the chat. Looking forward to going over some stuff and, and talking about the week that was in the ACC here over the next little bit. Uh, Mike, do we want to do the rapid recap? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to put 10 minutes on the clock. Uh, we're going to go through all these games real quick, and then we are going to come back and kind of deep dive them after that. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it, man. It's been working out well so far. All right. Uh, I'm not sharing my screen. It's Producer Scott's not with us tonight. He is, uh, I think, off celebrating. I think, did, the, did Delaware win? I think they I probably no, did. No idea. They, I'm going to say losing. Delaware won. Sure. Let's, Delaware just, won. let's just go with that. Yeah, Delaware won. Uh, Scott is at the post-game party, has been since, I'm guessing, like 2 o'clock or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We haven't heard from him in quite some time. That is true. That is true. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's okay, but you know. Yeah, uh, yeah Scott not with us tonight, uh, so we won't have the actual timer posted on here. But uh, let's just, you know, just go ahead and roll through these and see what happens. All right. It's, uh, there's, we're two minutes and 15 seconds in this podcast. And go. Go. Uh, Duke 24, Wake Forest 21, no Riley Leonard. Uh, but the good news for Duke is that Wake Forest doesn't really have a quarterback either. Well, I mean, they had a hell of a quarterback for the first three quarters of this game. I mean, Mitch Griffiths playing out of his mind. Um, is he the is he the first starting quarterback or the fourth starting quarterback for Wake this year? <laughs> kind of depends on the week. I think yeah, Mitch, Mitch Griffiths did not have an incompletion until I believe like the final play of the third quarter, basically. He started either 14 for 14 or 15 for 15 in this game, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Wake had multiple drives start in the red zone, basically. Um, only got points out of one of them, so there's that. Had a lot of chances. I felt like this game was sloppy, sloppy from, from both of these teams, uh, but Duke puts it together at the end, scores 10 points in the fourth quarter, and ends up winning. Weird. Whatever. We'll we'll talk about more in a bit. Uh, we'll get back to this. Friday night, Boston College 17, Syracuse 10. Turns out that Carlos Del Rio Wilson may not be the answer quarterback when Garrett Schrader's hurt. Dude, <laughs> he's an answer. I think he's the wrong answer. I think uh, he's the wrong answer. That's right. Yeah, 17 passing attempts for 37 yards and four picks is uh, not really a winning formula. Some Kobe-ass energy if I've ever heard it. Um, again, speaking of sloppy, Boston College basically had the ball the whole game, and it took them the whole game to get to 17 points. Yeah. Um they, they end up scoring a touchdown with, I think, less than three minutes left in this game to actually break a 10-10 tie. Um, also, through 37 passes, 
What Boston College, what do you think this is? Like we're making a big deal about you run the ball, run the ball well. Like, then just run it. Thomas Castellanos says passing numbers, 20 of 37, 165 and a touchdown pass. And trust me, the whole yardage thing, the 165 that looks like semi mediocre looked pretty bad most of the game. Yeah. Yeah. This pretty was bad. yeah. Again, sloppy, weird, uh, a game that, you know, Boston College, you get the win, you like that. But other than that, not a lot to feel good about here uh, as as the offenses go. I thought the defenses played their tails off at least. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll discuss that here shortly. Mm -hmm. North Carolina, Nooners, Saturday, North Carolina 59, Campbell 7. Didn't watch a minute of it. Clemson 31, number 15, Notre Dame 23. Joey. Clemson? Joey. Mm -hmm. Damn good by Clemson. Yeah, it was Damn good. Damn good. Well, and, and so the thing that I, I think if you're wondering, like, well, why did you guys pick Notre Dame on, you know, on the preview? Like, I'll say this. Notre Dame's defense. Not good. what I expected today. Um, good. This, usually not. This was today. not a, this was not up to their standard. This was not what they usually are able to do. Um, if they were, I, I guarantee you a guy like Phil Moffa is not wrap, uh, wrapping up 186 yards and two scores on the ground like. That's that's not really what this Notre Dame defense typically does. Yeah, man, it was it was a rough showing by Notre Dame's defense. Better showing by Clemson's offense. And by the way, Notre Dame, uh, we'll have a discussion about Sam Hartman. I think Notre Dame might miss Ian Book. <laughs> you want to go back a few years? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait till we get into that. To actually, uh, I've, I've got to. Yeah, we'll get to that. Georgia Tech forty-five, Virginia seventeen. Yo, good Georgia Tech showed up. Uh, yeah, Virginia got that ass beat. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, important to note here, uh, you lose your starting quarterback early in this game. That That's Virginia a little did. rough. Yes, Virginia did. So Tony Musket leaves the game early here. Uh, like a third play from scrimmage or something like that. Real rough. So now you're running a game plan with Anthony Calandria, who probably didn't really receive a snap all week with the first team. So, it, Well, and it was, it was weird. So, like, Musket gets hit. He goes out of the game. They immediately replaced him with Grady Brosterhaus. Um, Gazoon type, by the way. I, Grady Brosterhouse comes in. He finishes the drive that Musket had to leave, or maybe it was the next drive. And then after that, they go to Calandria uh, for, for the rest of the game. I think what happened here is that Musket got hurt. They were trying to assess how bad is it. They put in Brosterhouse in the meantime, hoping that, Cal- that Musket's going to be able to come back in. They decide yeah. that Musket can't come back in, and they say, okay, we're burning Calandria's redshirt. I think that's what happened is what I, I'm guessing, but they probably wish they didn't burn it. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, meant. yeah, that was not as good. That was not the calendar that we'd seen earlier in the year. He was a lot less effective and credit to Georgia Tech's defense. They, the defensive line, especially I thought did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, hung in there, played hard, played very well. Nice, nice showing by Georgia Tech. Hey, they strung together two wins in a row. Uh, Who would have thought? Hell yeah, Jack. It's not me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and more importantly, I'm very impressed with Georgia Tech today. And more importantly, another favorite loss on the CW. So the streak continues. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Florida State 24, Pitt 7. No Johnny Wilson, no Keon Coleman. Good news for Florida State is despite the really slow start, they still have Trey Benson. Mm-hmm. So he broke off a really long 55-yard run to break this thing open. Yeah, this took a while for Florida State to like really get going. Um, yeah, scoreless into the second quarter. Pitt actually scores first and takes a lead, uh, but Florida State ends up kind of getting some margin by the by the end of the third quarter um, and, and made it twenty four to seven, and that was that was it. 
Florida State made me semi-nervous here for a little bit, but then when you watch Pittsburgh's offense and they really can't move it, I'm like, you know, they should be fine. And they were. Just another slow start, but you're down two of your best players. I don't really know how much of this chalk up to general Florida State indifference, which we've seen at times this year, or the fact that they really just lost two of their best playmakers on the outside. Yeah. Uh, Pitt quarterbacks, by the way, continue to just have like the strangest passing lines in, in the entire country. Christian Vayar, 15 to 35 for 244. He had his moments. Completed 15 passes for 244 yards. Like <laughs> one of them was that. one of them was an 82 yard to Kanata uh, Mumfield. Mm-hmm. It was a long pass play. Double I believe that was the, yeah, that that really just inflated things a little bit. It was kind of a weird performance by Vayar, like hit some plays here and there, but other than that was pretty ineffective. Yep. Number 13, Louisville, 34, Virginia Tech, three. I don't really want to talk about this. The spiraled for Virginia Tech. Yeah, it, it got away from them. Um, this was a this was a competitive game through the first half. I mean, 14 to three at halftime. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, like, was a little disappointed at the way that the Hokies were not able to move the ball here. I, I will say I am impressed with Louisville's defense again. Yeah. Um, they've now allowed three points over the last two games that they've played. Like, that's, that's really impressive, full stop, in, in conference – conference play you know regardless of any other context um we talked a little bit before we hit the the go live button louisville might legitimately be the second best team in the acc right now and maybe the first best team in some weeks yeah so watch uh, out for, florida state forgot to mention a second ago florida state clinches uh acc championship berth they will be in charlotte here in a few weeks uh louisville not far behind them first time in a long time florida state's playing the acc title game Mm-hmm. First time in a very, very long time. I believe since 2014. Was it four? It might have been 14. Yeah, you might be right. They I think the title, was there. Won the title in 13, 14. They went to Rose Bowl, lost to Oregon in the mm-hmm. uh, playoff. First playoff year. Yep. Crazy, man. Crazy. But Florida State's back in the ACC title game. Yep. Yep. NC State 20, Miami 6. Joey, what do you, me, and Tyler Van Dyke have in common? Uh, we didn't throw any touchdowns today. That, and we're both going pro in something other than sports. <laughs> um, I, you know, as I watched this, honestly, I, I, I did start wondering a little bit, like, how much of this is Tyler Van Dyke's fault versus how much is he kind of being done a disservice a little bit in the same ways that he was last year with Josh Gaddis? I um, do agree. Was that last I, year with Josh Gaddis? I think it was. Uh, Yes, it was. I it, there's there's some credence to that point, but also he's mid. Yeah, he, he. I don't know if it's a lack of like confidence or or what exactly it is, but uh, he he does not look like the same player he did two years ago, like at all. Um, it, it does not look good for what he's doing, and and huge credit to NC State's defense. Uh, th- I mean, this was a game where NC State. I mean, l- the final score looks like they dominated here. This was 10 to 6 until like what the mid to late fourth quarter. Um, NC State's defense just continued to play their tails off as they do every week. I, I was really impressed with the Wolfpack. And I, I feel like I say this every week. I can't say enough about how just really impressed I am with NC State's defense every week. Yeah, their defense is really, really good. They cannot protect MJ Morris. I mean, the no, offense no. not move yeah. it. I mean, could not move it. Yeah, they had a terrible time moving the ball for three plus quarters here and this is a 
this is a uh, slightly above average Miami defense, but they've had their moments where they have not looked that way this year. So I was hoping that NC State would move the ball a little bit better here, and they just certainly did not. So, yeah, rough. NC State had like two good offensive drives in this game, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were asking Dave Doran, what, you know, what do you got to do? This was going into halftime. What do you got to do with MJ Morris? He was like, well, we got to protect him better because, <laughs> you know, we had a couple bad turnovers. It was like, man, they got to figure something out here. Mm-hmm. But Evan Sandage, that's bowl eligible NC State to you. That is correct. Yeah. I'm excited for seven and three NC State coming to Blacksburg in two weeks ranked. That'll be fun. <laughs> fun to deal with. This is this is I think one of Dave Doran's better coaching jobs honestly like a, a yeah. team the offense has been very underwhelming has really struggled yet they've continued to find ways to win games credit to them yeah and I I time by the way I mean we did that in our sleep ten and a half minutes yeah that was yeah, good that that was pretty easy the one thing I will say maybe we start with NC State Miami can we just start here because we're just kind of leaning into it yeah. um. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. NC State 20, Miami 6, and you mentioned the Dave Doran coaching job. He's doing a bunch of these good coaching jobs since you called him out like five years ago. <laughs> He's just kind of stringing them yep. together. Yep. He's kind of stringing them together. Uh, Proving me wrong. I uh, So with this NC State performance, and this was on a uh, second screen for me most of the evening while I was writing for SI, I, I am really impressed by NC State's defense and continue to be, right? I, I think that's the one thing that stands out about this team and it's been the one consistent thing with this team all year is like defensively, they're real stout. Uh, they're good at all three levels. Obviously, Peyton Wilson's an all-conference player at linebacker. He had another really good night tonight with uh, with a banged-up knee, by the way, um, a knee that he hurt last weekend um, against Clemson. But he's been really good, man like consistent and leads that defense and they are a really, really hard team uh, to move the ball against. And if you look at Miami, the, the reason why the NC state plus five and a half line was so juicy this week at home was, and I forgot to mention this on the rundown, the environment at Carter Finley tonight was unreal. I watched a lot of college football today, Joey, and it was one of the better environments in the sport on Saturday. Very, fans, very good atmosphere. Those fans were involved, engaged. They they made things a lot more difficult for Miami's offense. It was loud, man. And they go crazy in night games, especially against bigger opponents. Uh, Dave Doran, by the way, became the all-time uh, all leader in wins for NC State in this game. I, I don't know why I had trouble getting that sentence out. But I had a stroke award goes to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, all-time leader in wins at NC State, so... 
just a testament to the job that Doran's been doing there. But yeah, man, the, the atmosphere was unreal. And when you're going up against a defense like this, like Miami's got to find a way to take some pressure off Tyler Van Dyke. And they really couldn't do it. Um, NC State really got after the passer here. They finished with three sacks, four tackles for loss, but it looked a lot worse than that. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it did look a lot worse for that. Tyler Van Dyke was running for his life all night. He threw three picks in this game. Uh, I believe he also lost. Yeah, he did lose that one fumble in the se- early in the second half. That was a killer uh, setup in NC State score. They're having a really, really hard time. Miami is protecting Tyler Van Dyke. And I don't know if it's a scheme. I don't know if Van Dyke holding on to the ball for too long. The one thing I will say, the one thing I will criticize Van Dyke for is his pocket presence is like a negative five out of ten. Like he has no feel in the pocket when the pass rush is coming. None yeah. whatsoever. To 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 his play side, to his blind side, like he has a a lot of trouble feeling the pass rush. And that's yeah. something that is on him. He he's again, he's gotten worse, I think, in he the has last two worse. years. And I, I would pin that on the Miami coaching staff personally. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's not on him. That's on them. Yeah. Um, I will say Miami. The first three drives of the game here, twelve plays, forty three yards. They kick a field goal. They go three and out. Then they go nine plays, sixty six yards, and they kick another field goal. So for those doing the math at home, on Miami's first three drives of the game, they got six points. Mike, would you like to hear the drive chart? After that, for Miami. I would. Four plays, interception. Four plays, fumble. Five plays, punt. Eight plays, missed field goal. Three and out, three and out. Twelve plays, turnover on downs. Four plays, interception. Four play or six plays, interception. That's it. It's pretty bad. That is a lot of turnovers. That's four turnovers plus a turnover on downs. Um. Man, that is not a way to win a game on the road against a again, NC State was not moving the ball well for really all any of this game. No. Um they had a, a a quick little touchdown drive in late in the first quarter and they had <laughs> NC State's second half drive chart is hilarious. It's very good. Because they get the ball they get the ball 3 times in the second half. They go three and out, three and out, three and out. I think for a grand total of five yards in nine plays, basically. They they don't get a first down. And then all of a sudden, in, uh, Miami goes for it on fourth down, down inside the five-yard line. They're, they're going to try to punch it in. I, I agreed with that decision, by the way. Um, I think it was Tim Hasselbeck on the call saying, you know, oh, I would kick a field goal here, make it a one-score game, uh, or a one field goal. You know, field goal would win it for you, you know, whatever, with the way everything's gone. I was like, no, no, no. Like, you're, you're also pinning NC State deep and and their offense has done nothing Nothing all night yeah nothing yeah so yeah you give it to them on their own three yard line if you don't get there except then (laughs) nc state goes eight plays 97 yards and scores a touchdown yep the offense has done nothing all night long and all of a sudden they go 97 yards and eight plays yeah um yeah i will say that i mean we we say tyler van dyke threw three interceptions here two of them one of them was on a fourth down with like under four minutes left and it was kind of a desperation play. Um, really it was more of a field position issue uh, than anything at that point. And then he threw one on the final play of the game when it was, I mean, the whole thing was out of, uh, it was out of reach anyways. So I, yeah, you know, I, I think the stat line looks worse than it was, but I the mean, one it, with, the it, one with four minutes left was so bad though. Yeah. 
It is hard to win a game when you turn the ball over four times and you're minus two in turnovers. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's tough to win games on the road, especially. Yeah. Yep. So, um, again, I I will say something I did think was kind of interesting is, uh, (laughs) did you notice who NC State's leading rusher was in this game? (laughs) I, I had this pulled up. NC State's leading rusher was. Brennan Armstrong, and he was in the game early and often too. They're starting to like run a couple of packages here with like both Brennan and MJ Morris on the field at the same time. So spicy. Like, I think, I think uh, Robert and I is starting to get a little bit, a little bit comfortable there in Raleigh and starting to do his thing a little bit. And in his bag, it's, it's kind of reminiscent. I mean, remember they took Keaton Thompson and made him a football player, or what was his position like? It was like the most generic, meaningless thing. Like sometimes he's a quarterback, sometimes he's a running back, sometimes he's a wide receiver. Like, yeah, you know. Um, so that was, yeah, that, that was interesting. They've, they've got some packages. They got both MJ and Brennan on the field at the same time, and they seem like they really want to use Brennan as like almost like a between the tackles runner, basically. Which, sure, I mean, clearly it worked. It's old school Tebow stuff. It's yeah. like third and short, second and short. All of a sudden, here he comes. It's mm-hmm. like okay. So, yep. yep. So, yeah, impressed with NC State here. Big win for them. I, you know, it's funny, like looking back at our picks from the preview. And uh, I think I got every single one of my picks wrong, except for my two locks. And <laughs> NC State plus four and a half was one of them. So, oh, man. That's I don't even up. remember. I don't even remember my locks. I did lock this one up, though. I believe. Yeah. You were, you, were, you and I had the same two locks. Plus, you also had uh, Syracuse, which, <laughs> I mean, so, I wish somebody told me that Garrett Schrader was not going to play. I did not have that information handy. Yeah, that yeah, that was a that was a good data point. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I would have played that slightly differently. Yeah, Mike, I think Evan Sandage asks an interesting question. <laughs> Hi, Cam. Does Miami lose out from here? Uh, and if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, "No, Miami's not going to lose out," like. They're too good. They're not going to do that. Well, Mike, remember who they play next week. They play Florida State next week. They're on the road in Tallahassee playing that game. Mm -hmm. They will be underdogs in that game. They will. Probably a touchdown at uh, least. I was going to say nine. I'll go nine. I'm going to go with nine. Yeah. So if and when you lose that game. We kind of know what happens to Miami after they lose to Florida State historically. They mail it in last year. But yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe Mario's got a little something that they might be able to kind of keep it keep it together. But you know who they play the week after that? They're home against Louisville. The team that we just said might be the second best team in the ACC. So they play the next they played number 1 and number 2 in our opinions in in the ACC the next 2 weeks. Yep. And then finally they go on the road to their favorite place to play, Chestnut Hill. Boston, Massachusetts in, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm not going to say that like Miami, there's no chance that they're going to lose out, but I'm also not going to say that they're, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it can't happen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also not going to say, I mean, it can't, it absolutely could. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm You're I'm saying that you're not, you're saying that you're not saying that Miami's going to lose out, but you're also not not saying it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to lose out, but I'm not saying that they're not going to lose out either. That's right. Like, 
I would not put any of that past this Miami team at this point. Um, no. So, yeah. Uh, I will say the next three games are going to inform some interesting discussions that we have, kind of like the season post-mortem stuff and looking at what what is or isn't this Mario Cristobal era so far. Yeah. Don't have to get into that tonight, but. No, but it's. That conversation is coming. Yeah. You know, usually by November, like you and I are, I want to say podcasted out, but there's like a time of year that gets like monotonous usually. And we're like a little bit burned out. We're like, ah, fuck, we got to record again. Sorry. We got to record again. We're live. It's fine. Uh, I don't have that this year because there are so many different storylines going on. And this mm-hmm. is a very interesting, like, there's only really maybe one or two actual good teams in this conference this year, Florida State and Louisville, mm-hmm. and then a whole bunch of other teams. But it's very, like, it's a very interesting ACC this year. Yeah, it is. So. Um, yeah, it, it is an interesting ACC. I mean, it's, it's a good point that, like, I mean, just, I, I think the, the really telling thing, just go pull up the standings. Let's just look at the ACC standings. Number one, Florida State. That makes sense. I predicted that in the preseason. Like, that, that's not, like, crazy. Number two, Louisville. Huh. Okay, well, easy schedule. But they have actually looked – they've looked pretty good. They, I think they've gotten better through the – I like to – after the ass beating that my alma mater took today, I would like to think mm-hmm. that Louisville's good. Yeah. Makes me feel well, better about it. I think they are. Uh, number three, Georgia Tech. Sure. Number four, Duke. Number five, North Carolina. Number six, Boston College. Like, there's a number of these teams that are just nothing like what we thought they were going to be in the preseason. And yeah. every week is something new, and you're just like learning more, and it's 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 wild and bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, weird I agree conference. With, yeah, I agree with Evan Sandage. Having no divisions is really kind of a fun feature. It's something something new and interesting. I agree with that. That it's it's a fun feature. I'm in total agreement. But the coastal still lingers, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It just lingers. Oh yeah, the the big coastal energy. It's just definitely still in this conference. Still ruminating. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, all right, NC State twenty, Miami six. I want. Can I? Can we get this one out of the way? Because I, I think it'll be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to talk about it too much. Uh, Louisville 34, Virginia Tech 3. So th- the Virginia Tech fan base this week was really pissing me off on social media, which is kind of what they do this to me a lot, <laughs> as you know, Joey. Yeah. Because I tend to. I'm laughing because I know they do. I tend to be pretty level headed in terms yeah. of my Virginia Tech takes. Like, if they play well, they play well. If they don't, they don't. Today, they did not play very well, mm-hmm. but also going into it, like there's a reason why Vegas pretty much has you as a double digit dog with pretty much Louisville's entire offense questionable to play. Uh, Jabari Thrash did not play in this game. He was out. Uh, Jawar Jordan was uh, questionable. He ended up playing, of course. Uh, Louisville had a couple offensive linemen that were questionable, ended up playing just kind of is what it is right mm. but virginia tech defensively here they were having a really hard time tackling they were having a really hard time keeping up with um louisville's team speed 
offensively, Virginia Tech had trouble staying on the field. They got themselves behind the sticks a lot, especially early in the game. The defense got off the field some, but every time they did, the offense couldn't do anything with it. So it was just like a very incomplete game. Kyron Drones had a turnover um, deep in Virginia Tech territory. Not ideal. Set up a Louisville score. It just kind of got away from Virginia Tech. Yeah. I don't think, and and Louisville was the better team today, and they certainly outplayed the Hokies. But if you play that game 10 times, I'm not sure Louisville wins by 31 Mm-mm. in like <clears throat> all but like five or six of them. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't think that Louisville is inherently 31 points better than Virginia Tech. I, I do think there's no. a little bit of a game script situation here that um, I, I like we mentioned, I think on the preview is like Virginia Tech season kind of turned around or, or started really showing some improvement around the time they switched to Kyron Drones. Mm hmm. I don't think that's because Kyron Drones is like a really special, impressive passer. Right. But when you get into a situation where you're down like three scores, it, it kind of takes the running game out of the question a little bit. Yeah. And that just does not play into what Kyron Drones does well, very well at all. No. No. Um, and Virginia Tech, I'm, I'm curious to see the the yards per play for Louisville's rushing attack here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, Virginia Tech, once again, just had a really, really hard time stopping the run here, which we kind of anticipated going into it. At least I did. You know, I did not think Virginia Tech's defense was nearly as good as it showed the last few weeks. I thought that it had been improving. But I didn't think that all of a sudden Virginia Tech was going to hold a really good rushing attack down, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, Louisville averaged... Gulp. Uh, Louisville averaged almost 11 yards per play through the air and almost eight yards per play on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a good way to lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it was just a rough showing. Louisville just racked racked up yards on tech. It was just not good. Hokies finished yeah. two of 11 on third down. Just a lot of a lot of bad stuff. Like you said, I mean, it got it got away from them and. I don't want to like ignore the fact either that again, this was a road game and I I think that Louisville crowd is getting a little bit better and better each week too. Like it's been a frustrating few years for Louisville. Uh, Of course, like the Scott Satterfield era was like a really kind of frustrating experience. I think top to bottom of like, you know, some high highs and low lows. And I think the fans are buying into this Jeff Brom regime more and more week over week. They should and be. Cardinal Stadium quickly becoming a difficult place to play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's Notre Dame went and lost there. We saw Duke go there and just have a, a bear of a time last week. Virginia Tech there now having a, a bad time this week. Like, I I don't think much less of the Hokies based on the way this game went. Um, it's again, I didn't predict Louisville to win by 31 points. I texted you this morning when we started hearing news that Jawar Jordan was very questionable, Jamari mm-hmm. thrash might not be playing. And it was like, I feel like Louisville actually might be in a little bit of trouble here because yeah. I don't know what else they're going to be able to do here. But I think basically uh, Jamari thrash was the only one that ended up really not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, maybe that kind of helps to soften the blow a little bit, but right. um, 
Isaac Garendo, by the way, was was really the man here. Eleven carries for one ninety nine, three scores. And he um, had a he had a long touchdown run called back too for holding. Could have mm-hmm. been even better. So uh, Jawar Jordan, by the way, playing, but like fourteen carries for fifty seven yards. He had one score on the ground. Yeah. Um. He he played, but he wasn't you know as dominant as he was last week or as right. we've seen him in a number of times this year. So for what that's worth, yeah. So, I mean, this got away from Virginia Tech, but, like, I don't want to take anything away from Louisville. I think they're very good. I think the defense is as advertised uh, offensively. I think Virginia Tech made Louisville's life a little bit easier than it had to be offensively. But this isn't a bad offense by any stretch. I'm still Mm -hmm. not sold on Jack Plummer, but he didn't really have to do anything special today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they averaged almost 11 yards per play through the air, but they did not have to throw it a bunch here. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is just a real. This is a good Louisville team, and as far as Virginia Tech's concerned, I saw people floating out ideas of, you know, do you feel better or worse about a bowl game now? And like, I don't feel really any differently. I went into this thinking this was going to be a tough game to win. It spiraled out of control a little bit, and Virginia Tech's got three winnable games down the stretch. And it kind of yeah. depends on which Virginia Tech team shows up. They got they got BC next week in Chestnut Hill. BC is a is a team that uh, has been tough to go play on the road, but there's nothing really about the Boston College team that scares me. If I'm a Virginia Tech fan, they they run the ball okay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really don't have anything in the passing game to offer, so they have to run it a bunch. So just kind of load up the box, make Castellanos beat you. I think that would be the way to go there. You got NC State at home. NC State obviously trending a good direction. And then UVA. So, you know, I, a bowl game is still doable. I don't feel any any better or worse about bowl eligibility opportunities for Virginia Tech just because they lost a game on the road to a top 15 team in Louisville. I don't. I, it could have been by a point. It could have been by 70 points. I don't really feel any differently. This is going to be a tough game for Virginia Tech to win. Mike, um, do you know what the following teams have in common. Okay. Pittsburgh, Florida State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Louisville, Boston College, NC State, and Virginia. They all play Virginia Tech? (laughs) They all play Virginia Tech this year. There are two teams there that stick out to me from a quality standpoint. It is Florida State and it is Louisville. Oh, I thought you were going to go Wake Forest and Syracuse (laughs) going the other direction. (laughs) Either way. Um, F- Florida State and Louisville, I think. Again, Miami, by the way, Miami would be in that group too, but they're not on the schedule this year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad year to miss Miami. You would have, you know, you would have liked to have that softball on the schedule. I, uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Florida State and Louisville, two best teams in the ACC, right? Like, Hokies have now lost to both of them by a significant margin. Tell mm-hmm. me which of which of these sound like significantly more intimidating. Than the than the rest of them, Pitt, Wake Forest, Syracuse at Boston College, NC State at Virginia. This is like the picture. Of, this is like the um, it became a meme. Like Pam in the office, she's holding up two signs. They're the same like, picture. They're yeah. the same picture. Yeah, yeah. They're, you're not playing NC State in Raleigh. Like, mm-hmm. I think of those of those teams, NC State might be the only one that's not like the bottom five of the ACC. Like, and they have significant offensive flaws. Like they can't yeah. run the they can't run the ball. 
They yeah. can't really throw the ball. They have a very good defense. If you score 17 to 20 points, you're going to have a great chance to win the game, especially oh, yeah. at home, especially yeah. at home. So don't turn the ball over and yeah, like run the ball and, and just move it a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and you're do not I playing, think that, do I think that Virginia Tech's defense can contain NC State's offense? Hell yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing about NC State's offense would scare me if I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I, I'm with they you. Hokies need to go two and one at Boston College, home against NC State at Virginia. If they go two and one, they make a bowl game. I think Virginia Tech's going bowling. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so too. I still think so. Thought that before the Louisville game. I still think so. And yep. like I said, I said on my tech podcast, Joey, I said I thought the most likely outcome, this was going into the Louisville game. I thought the most likely outcome for Virginia Tech was six and six. I still think that. Yep. Yep. Still think that. So uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Louisville 34, Virginia Tech three. Uh, let's talk about your yellow jackets. Let's do it. Buddy, Georgia Tech 45, <clears throat> Virginia 17. We mentioned on the rundown, Tony, no Tony Musket here. Um, he played basically the f- part of the first possession. Yeah, I think it was the first possession. Um, he, yeah, he is. So he played the first five snaps of the game. Um, he he throws an interception. He gets hit from the side uh, throwing that pass. And it, it wasn't clear, like, watching him, like, how this injury kind of happened. But he was kind of limping, pretty visibly limping off the field. And, yeah. I, again, they they bring in, uh, name was Grady Brosterhouse. <laughs> sure, that's a name. Um He'll be at the cookout. <laughs> they bring him in for part of the drive. And I, I think, again, I think the goal was, like, see if Tony Musket can come back in the game. Um, and once they decided not that he couldn't, it's like, well, we're not going to keep Grady Brosterhouse out here the whole game. <laughs> so guess we're burning the Calandria red shirt. Uh, so he comes in later in the drive. They score a touchdown. That was kind of the last significant thing that the Virginia offense did for a long stretch of this Mm -hmm. game. Um, I was very impressed by Georgia Tech's defense because I I did think that Virginia ran the ball pretty well. Really, I guess the first three drives, they ended up missing a field goal uh, late in the first quarter. And uh, I I thought Virginia was running the ball well. I'm sitting here watching this like, here we go again. Georgia Tech can't stop the run. It's going to be a long day, track meet game, you know, whatever. And then after that missed field goal, I mean, it was. It, it I can very, read the drive. I can read the drive chart for you. Please after do. This field goal, fumble, punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, downs, touchdown, interception, end of game. Not good. <laughs> not good. Ten not points good for there. Virginia. Ten good points. For, not good. Good for Kevin Shearer's defense. Um, for sure. So I, you know, I was impressed with the defense. I thought that the defensive line, especially, did a really good job of. They really kind of kept Anthony Calandria in the pocket for the most part. Yeah. Um, and and they kind of did the same thing you saw him do against like a Wake Forest, where they just sort of slowly cave the pocket in. Um, don't give him a lot of running lanes, but they're able to kind of create pressure without blitzing. And at that point, Virginia's passing game had had some trouble just connecting basically down the field. 
Um, Calandria's passing line doesn't look bad, but I thought the, the, the real big idea here was that Virginia's rushing attack, the rushing numbers were not good in this yeah. game. And that's that's significant to me. Um, Mike, the rushing numbers that were good were on the Georgia Tech side of things. Mm-hmm. This is the second straight game that Georgia Tech has run for 300 yards in a game. Yep. Uh, Jamal Haynes, Haynes King, and Dante Smith combined for 39 carries for, I think it was like 280-some yards and five touchdowns. Mike, they ran the dang ball in this game, and it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, uh, that's the, the best version of Georgia Tech is when they're getting stops on defense and running the ball like that. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think the key here, and the thing that you've seen the last two weeks that I think is a huge deal for this offense, is Haynes King in the running game. Mm-hmm. And and it's not like I need him to be the focal point of the running game. I don't need him picking up 25 carries a game. I, I, I don't want him to be Thomas Castellanos or anything like that. But when he threatens in the run game, and, and he can scoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, he can move and he can pick up yards and chunks and run away from the defense a little bit when he, if he can get, you know, 10, 12, 15 carries a game and extend a couple drives and, and that kind of thing. And I think really the big thing is that when, when he's able to do a little bit of that, you make the defense slow down on some of the other stuff and, and hesitate a little bit and everything else works that much better. I think. Yeah. Um, and you saw that last week against North Carolina. You saw it t- today against Virginia. Um, I, that really just opens everything else up. So I, I was really, once again, I was impressed with Georgia Tech, just full stop in this game. I Charlottesville, once again, house of horrors for Georgia Tech. Uh, I thought about this earlier is that, you know, one of the, honestly, one of the biggest regular season wins I think that Georgia Tech has ever had was in Scott Stadium in 1990, beating the number one Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Scott George Sisson Welsh. Hits a, yep, George Welsh, yep. Scott Sisson hits a field goal. It's 41-38 Georgia Tech. They win the game. They end up going on winning the national title. I want to say since then, this might only be like the fifth time in 30-plus years that Georgia Tech has won in Charlottesville. Like, Paul Johnson won there in 2009 and in 2013. Wow. And, wow. again, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like Scott, Scott Stadium is some, like, incredible home field advantage or, like... There's no, there's no real logical explanation to it. It's just Tech just, just does not play well there. Yeah, but they did today, and I, I was impressed, and, and I was really happy about it. So, uh, you know, credit to Georgia Tech. Um, I was a little bit th- sorry. Bowl game. If you play anything like this against Syracuse, with what we've seen from Syracuse the last two weeks, unless Syracuse has they like play a like this free- next week, play like this next week. I mean, <laughs> Clemson in a bit of a letdown. That's going to be a nooner at, at mm-hmm. home. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, unless Syracuse has like a, I'm going to, I'm going to go to just like the nerdiest reference. I think that's ever been made on this show. Um, unless, unless Syracuse has like a Pokemon center, like <laughs> instant heal of like everything that ails them in the next two weeks. If you play anything like this, you're going to beat Syracuse at home in two weeks, and yeah. uh, you know you're you're going to make a bowl game, and that's that's enormous, I think, for Brent Key. And like I said, I would not, I would not count them out against Clemson next week. No, would not. No, that would be an unwise thing to do. Would be yep. to count them out against Clemson. Yep, Clemson yep. is not immune to a letdown. This would be a letdown. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So. Interesting question from Evan Sandage. Since the red shirt's gone, should UVA start Calandria the rest of the year or find some sort of two QB system with him and Musket? So first of all, that assumes that Musket is healthy enough to play. Right. And we don't know about that. I mean, might be, might not be. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, we, we, we've talked earlier in the year that it felt like it just made sense to stick with Calandria from there. Um, but they didn't. And then Musket was probably better than Calandria, like full stop. And so that was working pretty well. He got him the win at North Carolina, you know, the, the overtime game at Miami, like there's that. Um, yeah. But- and I mean, Virginia is no longer going to a, like they're two and seven, so they're not going to a bowl game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this would be the time to experiment, right? Yep. It would be, it would be, um, I need to go find, hold on. There was one more thing that I wanted to call out. Lee Nobody gave us an update on the uh, the CW stats. Underdogs now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eight and one against the number and have won six of nine games outright. There is, they are one point away from being perfect against the spread on the CW. CW and- underdogs is one of my favorite ACC uh, facts of all time. That, that, like It makes zero sense, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, CW Underdog sounds like a team that's going to join via conference realignment here sooner rather than later. <laughs> so I'll say. I mean, CW Underdogs, that's probably what, like Cal? Unfortunately. Man, Cal's going to be a lot of fun to watch in that 2 p.m. Eastern time slot, huh? Oh, yeah. 11, 11 o'clock body clock time. <laughs> That'll be good. Looking forward to that. One of our friends, uh, Charlie's buddy from school is on the soccer team as well that I've been coaching. By the way, I don't know mm-hmm. if I mentioned on the podcast that I've been coaching soccer. Um, one of uh, one of his friends on the team, uh, we, we know their parents and they're, they're a lot of fun to hang out with. And uh, his dad might be listening right now. So, hey, shout out to Jeremy if you're listening right now. But um, it, his mom kept talking about uh, bringing breakfast salads for uh, the soccer games on Saturday mornings. And if you're wondering what's in a breakfast salad, it's it's something. It, there's a there's a little bit of like tomato juice, and uh, I think some some vodka, and usually like a like a celery stick. I'm familiar. And yeah, yeah. If you've had you've had one of those maybe in your life. So. Several. I'm just Several. I'm just imagining these 2 p.m. starts at uh, at Cal, uh, involving involving some breakfast salads. A little pinky up situation. I can see it. <laughs> I, I'm told that th- this 2 p.m. start involves some Zima uh, beforehand. So, you know, there's that. But I, I mean, it definitely will be if they're playing the game in Charlottesville. Yeah. Yep. That. Um, Hari Balls makes a good comment here. Uh, Georgia Tech has an even week next week, which so far this year, they're undefeated. So, yeah. uh, careful, Clemson. Uh huh. And man, uh, eight win Georgia Tech? Seven? <laughs> Don't threaten Six, me seven, with a good time. Eight, eight. They'd have to beat Georgia. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, solid. I think Georgia. I think Georgia Tech's making a bowl game because. Um. La- last thing I'll say about this is I think this is a sneaky, really big win for Georgia Tech mm-hmm. um, from a like a just overall program direction standpoint. I would agree. Because it has been so wildly inconsistent to show some consistency from from one week to another is, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. To get over whatever this Charlottesville curse nonsense is is a big deal. Um, 
to finally feel like you have momentum and you're winning two games in a row. Like that's just, <clears throat> it's significant to finally see that happening. And, uh, I, you know, don't know that they'll make it three. Don't know that they won't. It is on the table. It is. It is. Huge win for the Jackets. Really happy for him. Uh, like Georgia Tech. Win. Yeah. Georgia Tech 45, Virginia 17. Uh, Mike, that recap brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Uh, they have jerseys. If you want to rep your quarterback, Haynes King, they got a jersey for him. Uh, Dante Smith has been uh, kicking ass, taking names the last couple weeks. Uh, go get a jersey for him. Those support their NIL efforts, by the way. Uh, they've got Zach Byron as well, who made an appearance in this game for what it's worth in the fourth quarter. He had a couple drives, so that was fun too. Uh, go find all of it at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, I love mine. I'm wearing it right now, uh, celebrating my win. I, I can't say that wearing section 103 is the reason that Georgia Tech won today. Can't say it's not the reason they won today. So, you know, it helps. It helps if you're wearing your section 103. It does. Um, by the way, all the official word marks, again, the official tech gold, uh, the ATL logo, all that stuff at section103.com. Really sh- appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. Uh, shout out to them as we uh, keep rolling through the season. Appreciate it. Uh, all their partnership. Yeah, shout out to Steven and the gang for sure. Absolutely. And all of their comfortable apparel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All their comfortable apparel. Oh, man. Where to next? Number four, Florida State, 24, Pitt 7. Hmm. I, I don't really I, I don't think Florida State played great mm-hmm. so let me get that out of the way first I do think it does make a difference though when you don't have Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson <laughs> like who knew is that what like two of your four best players on offense two of your three yeah. best players on offense yeah I'd probably Travis one Coleman two, Wilson three, Benson four. Or... I was gonna say the only other one that might might require it to be a top four is Trey Benson. Right. So I mean that that's tough. Florida State did have some issues moving the ball here. Pittsburgh's front I thought was really competitive for a good bit in this game, especially against the run. I'm gonna sneeze. <coughs> Bless you. Having big time here. Um, Trey Benson had that 155 yard run, but outside of that, I mean, he had a really hard time running mm-hmm. the football here. Uh, Florida State in general, like they didn't run, like they ran the ball 37 times, and that includes like some dropbacks from Jordan Travis and some sacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really funny, like non sack adjusted line for Jordan Travis's seven carries, negative 15 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, that that's pretty funny. He averaged negative two yards per carry and had a touchdown with a long of five yeah 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 it's pretty good um yeah but i just thought pittsburgh was real competitive up front here and then if pittsburgh had literally anything to offer offensively they could have come away with a win here Mm -hmm. so yeah they could have um i i mean I, i do think that this was a little bit of a super bowl game for pittsburgh um you know you i i was impressed pitt did not quit here and, and we felt like the way that, you know, especially the last couple of games have gone and some of the comments from Narduzzi after the game last week, like this was prime quit watch territory for Pitt. I don't think they're there. I don't think they've quit at all. 
Um, they made this difficult for Florida State in a lot of ways. Um, it did feel like this was just kind of a, I don't know, call it sloppy, but I think one of the phrases I've heard uh, from, from Bud Elliott recently is like the get to your corner game. Like Florida State's not trying to put up any sort of style points here. This was like a, let's just get the hell out of here and, and you know, try to put the game away. You know, they, they score a couple touchdowns in their first three drives of the, sec- of the second half. And it was like, all right, let's just, let's just be done here. Um, you know, so difficult, uh, difficult game. I think for Florida state, they, they get through it and they win and it wasn't really all that close. And like you said, I mean, I think the, the biggest issue here for Pitt was they just really did not move the ball very well. Um, they could not kind of keep drives going, chain them together, anything like that. And if they had, I agree. Like they had a, they had a shot to win here and, uh, they just kind of, Kind of couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, literally anything to offer offensively. They would have been much better shape. But yeah, I mean, Pitt's second half drive chart. Four plays fumble, five plays punt, four plays punt, eight plays interception, five plays punt, two plays fumble. So, you know, yeah. what, three three punts, three turnovers? Like, that's just not. <laughs> no, it's not good. No. It's, it's hard to say that a winning formula involves exclusively punts and turnovers. So, right. You know. Pitt's officially not going to a bowl game. They're two and seven as well. So, yeah, not good. I, I see Lee. Nobody asks Pitt winning another game this year at Q's home against Boston College at Duke. I mean, they, they could win all three. <laughs> like, is, is Riley Leonard playing at Duke? Like, Dude, Pitt at Syracuse is like a go ACC game of the year candidate. Honestly, it like, it's up there. It's up there. It's two of the worst games in the conference. I cannot recommend watching that game. That is going to be some gross watching. It is. Yeah. That's that's some hide your kids energy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a lot here. I, I mean, again, Florida State's really good. They didn't really look like it today. Um, I thought you got an inspired effort from Pittsburgh. It wasn't enough. Florida State again, just kind of let's let's just get the hell out of here. I I, I don't I, I I don't blame Florida State either for like let's just you're going to Pittsburgh again. You're you're out your two top wide receivers. Um, and, and even in a game where we're talking about like Florida state was disappointing, they still put up 500 yards of offense. They did. So I don't want that to be lost either, but yeah, it, it kind of took a while to get it under control. And then once they did, it was like, let's, let's go home. I think the, the thing is like, I don't think there's an ACC team left on the schedule for Florida state. That's good enough or consistent enough in the regular season, at least to really like make them pay for these slow starts. Mm-hmm not like Miami is not it. Yeah. Like, they're just not going to see that team. Right. Yeah. So it's best chances, I guess, Louisville in the ACC championship game. And I think Louisville will have Florida state's full attention. Mm-hmm. And I think like if Florida state's engaged there, I do think Florida state's a better team. I worry about Florida state in a playoff situation, which is something we've talked about kind of all along. Like, I think I- I'm watching these teams right now, you know, early November, it looked like playoff teams, right. I'm, I'm looking at, Georgia and I'm looking at Oregon and I'm looking at you know Ohio State even though Ohio State's looked a little iffy like I think all of these teams are going to give Florida State a really really hard time because I do think defensively these teams can make Florida State work for it offensively and I think defensively Florida State kind of goes through spells where they decide they don't want to tackle or they're going to be asleep at the switch a little bit I 
but again, I mean, we're talking about Florida State in a playoff environment, right? I mean, their fan base will take that. Yeah. So. Um, can we play a hypothetical game here for a second? Sure. Yes, let's do it. Um, let's say that, you know, so what's the ACC championship scheduled for? Um, would that be like December 2nd or something? Yeah, like we're, that? we're just inside a month. Okay. So a month from now, um, let's say that we're not going to play the ACC championship. Instead, we're going to play the, the first round of the playoff. Florida State, so they've got, they've got a few weeks to get healthy is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Florida State's going to play Georgia. What's the spread? Georgia minus 10. Who you got? Georgia. Really? Yeah. I don't hate Florida State in that sen- in that scenario. Yeah, and Georgia's, I, you know, Georgia's good, dude. I don't know. Man, Georgia's I, good. I'm really trying to Missouri not. team at home. I don't know, man. They they messed around in that game. Missouri's like, good. Missouri, I think Missouri's pretty good. I think they are too, but I just I, I'm really trying not to be like Homer Georgia Tech guy, like, you know, Georgia denier guy, but like I just feel like this Georgia team is not as good as they've been in recent years. Like they can be had. They just don't play almost anybody. Like if they play that Missouri team in Columbia, mm-hmm. is that a different outcome? It might be. I mean, they screwed around with Missouri and Columbia last year. You'll remember. Like I think Florida state has a better offense than Georgia does. And I think mm. Florida state's defense is good enough to hang with Georgia's offense. Like I think Florida state absolutely could win that game. And I'm talking specific to, to Georgia here, but like, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I will say this, like, again, this Florida state team against, you know, other recent playoff teams, national title teams. I, yeah. I don't think that they're particularly close to, um, to, to winning a national title. Yeah. This year though. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it seems like a number of these teams are, uh, <laughs> able to be had. I think Michigan is the only one, but they have played absolutely nobody. Um, so we'll we'll find out a lot about maybe, Michigan this month. Maybe I'm just totally disrespecting Florida State, but I think there are like six or seven teams I'd probably take over Florida State right now. Okay. That might be disrespectful. F- Florida but, State has been a little bit up and down. I will say that for sure. It's um, just the way they play down to competition and they kind of screw around and like I don't think they have I think today it was clear like they don't really have the fail safe like if Keon Coleman can't get going or Johnny Wilson can't get going they need to run the ball or else like Mm -hmm. it's going to take a while for them to figure it out through the air and I just don't know if they're going to have enough enough weapons consistently when they get into that playoff environment I think that's what I that's what I worry about. They have a very, very good offense. Offensive line's good. Travis is a Heisman candidate quarterback. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, you're going to have trouble matching a tandem at yeah. receiver like that in the country. Yeah. But I, they're lacking kind of like a third option in the passing game consistently. They're lacking kind of the, okay, if Trey Benson doesn't get going, what are we going to do? Okay, we're going to rely on Jordan Travis and his legs, and team's key on that, and he's not like an elite game-breaker in the running game. I worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worry about that. Yeah, we got a couple of comments in here about some of, the, some of this conversation. Lee Nobody, think you're underrating Florida State. They beat the LSU team that pushed Bama. I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Evan Sandage again. I think Missouri would give Florida State trouble too to make the Georgia comparison. I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true too. Yeah, um, that's true too. I think home field advantage plays a role there, and yeah, game script might play a role there. But definitely, I, I could. Yeah, I, I think that spread on a neutral field, Florida State, Missouri, probably around a touchdown. Um, yeah, could be give it give or take a couple points, but wouldn't put it past Missouri to win that game and upset Florida State for sure. Mm-mm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting matchup too. Yep, yep. So, anyways, Florida State twenty four. Oh, I saw another. I saw another comment real quick. The refs, uh, Lee, nobody refs job, Mizzou. Yeah, there was a pass interference call in this game that was like phantom, like set up a Georgia touchdown, and like mm-hmm. I don't know where it came. Like everybody was up in arms about it. A little bit of home cooking in Sanford Stadium, you say? Mm. Hmm. Never heard of her. Hmm. Never, never heard of her. Oh, Clemson thirty-one, Notre Dame twenty-three. Hmm. Uh, Chris Tyree, I'm just gonna get this out of the way now. The uh, Lee Corso Memorial I had a stroke award is Chris Tyree on kick return today. He he muffed a punt or punt return, I guess. He muffed a punt that led to a touchdown, and then he had a or I'm sorry, led to a field goal. They were lucky it wasn't a touchdown. Then he had a punt that he let bounce over his head and then decided to field it at like the five. It bounced like five or 10 yards over his head. Then he fielded it at the five and just like he made it to the seven yard line and pinned his own team back when he didn't have to just catch the ball, dude. Yeah. And Ma- make a decision and stick with it or, you know, yeah, just, it gets worse. And and he's a good punt returner. Like he ran one back last week against Pittsburgh. He is a good player, but he had a really, really hard time today. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what that was crowd or environment or early game i don't know what it was yeah but yeah that that's that's an award candidate well that's an award winner actually <laughs> yeah thing here is like notre dame's got no downfield passing game and like clemson yeah. doesn't clemson doesn't either but clemson's got better athletes than notre dame still like still and this was a game that was lost in the trenches by notre dame like they got pushed around up front on both sides of the ball. Like mm-hmm. they ran the ball well at times, but then when you get into third and medium, right, you load the box, you stop estimate, and then it's third and medium and you have to make a play in the passing game. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. It's the stink and dunk stuff with Clemson's linebacking core. Like you can't be doing like Clemson's linebackers are too fast. Like you can't be throwing like three and four yard passes across the middle with your tight ends. I expect to just pick them up like you would against Pittsburgh or, you know, other teams on Notre Dame schedule they've played. I feel like Notre Dame might not have been ready to play in this game. Like they, they weren't, I mean, they were down a bunch early. Uh, just, yeah, a, I mean, you, you get down 24 to six, like almost like that. And, and it's not like, again, this Clemson offense has had problems all year long and Notre Dame's calling card has been its defense. But yeah, I've just, again, sloppy. I, I keep using this sloppy word, but that's what it was. Notre Dame. I mean, it's, it's special teams mistakes. It's, it's kind of a sleepy performance on defense. Like they, they were not ready to play here now. And, and it, again, it's not like Clemson just goes like, damn the torpedoes, throw it down the field. Like this is a week where we have a number of Kobe Bryant Memorial volume shooter of the week candidates. Cade Klubnick throws 26 passes for 109 yards in this game. Like it's not like Clemson was just all of a sudden on fire on offense. They weren't, they just got a couple of short fields and, and a couple of big plays and 
Notre Dame making mistakes and Clemson taking advantage, really. Yeah, and Phil Moffa was really good too, obviously, right? Rushes for 186 yards and 36 carries. Like he is the reason why Clemson won the football game. Yeah. But he had and, and he had a fumble late in the game. Like Notre Dame was dead, and then he had a fumble late when Clemson's trying to pick up a first down. This is not a Miami situation. If you didn't watch the game, this is not like a Miami situation where Clemson should have taken a knee. Like Clemson had to get a first down to run the clock out. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to do that, and Moffa fumbled, right? Notre mm-hmm. Dame's obviously going to try to strip the ball. It's their last chance, right? They strip it, and they get the ball back, and then Notre Dame does absolutely nothing with it. Uh, yeah, that they was get like, on the edge of the green zone. They're, they get into oh, – no, excuse me. Sorry, they, they didn't even get to midfield. They didn't even so. get to midfield. Uh, it, it was rough, man. Like, look at, Notre Dame had several chances here, right? So uh, Klubnik throws an interception on the first drive of the second half. Notre Dame punches it in, right? Notre Dame was trailing 24-9 at halftime. They, they turn Klubnik over early in the second half. Uh, Notre Dame scores a couple plays later, make it 24-16. to Then Clemson, this was the deciding the deciding drive of the game. Clemson goes on a fantastic drive, and I texted you and Scott about this when it happened. Clemson goes right after that Notre Dame score, right? Klubnik throws the pick. Notre Dame scores. They're within a touchdown now. All of a sudden, like, play ball, right? Clemson goes 11 plays, 75 yards in almost six minutes and mm-hmm. scores a touchdown to go up 31 to 16. That was a huge swing in the game. But then again, Notre Dame marches right down the field, scores another touchdown. Four play. This is four plays, 74 yards. They hit on a Sam Hartman 26-yard touchdown run. Clemson just lost containing. He took off down the sideline. He scores. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a position where if you're Notre Dame, it's still early in the third quarter. I think you're like eight or nine minutes left in the third quarter when you pull within seven again. And then this is Notre Dame's drive chart from here on out. This is really important because Notre Dame started to get stops on defense, right? Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's drive chart down seven, eight minutes to go, or I'm sorry, down, down eight, eight. eight, down yeah. eight, eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Ready? Punt, 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 punt interception downs and i think three of the four punts those were turnovers on downs or uh, sorry they were they were a three Three and out three and out that's correct it's like not not doing anything and it's not like clemson did a lot either right so i mean clemson goes punt this is from the time that notre dame scored again to pull with an eight so same time frame clemson goes punt 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 fumble that was film off a fumble downs Mm -hmm. that that just clock it into game yeah um it was technically a turnover on downs. A really interesting like tidbit here. Clemson had the ball with five seconds left, and they called a timeout because they're trying. It was fourth down. They're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, they just basically snapped the ball and Klubnik threw it as far as he could, <laughs> just mm. like out of the end zone. Once the ball came down, game was over. Yep. yep. So uh, we criticized Dabo right for a lot of different things. That was very smart. Not to punt. Not to risk anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Just. Have Klubnik like drop back and throw it as far as he can, just like out of the end zone, and perfect. So, yeah, Mafa ran all over Notre Dame. Notre Dame had nothing to offer in the passing game. Really impressed. I th- this is a huge win for Clemson. Like they this had to have this, yeah, Big had deal. to have it. Still a a respected Notre Dame team, right? Coming in fifteenth in the country. Two losses are to Louisville and Ohio State. Like this is a good. This is a good Notre mm-hmm. Dame team coming into this game. And Clemson is reeling, right? Uh, needed this real bad, and they were they were really impressive, really impressive, especially defensively here. If they play this game ten times, how many does Clemson win? Five. 
Okay, so just a, just a toss-up game. Five, probably. I, I think because I, I don't think Notre Dame has trouble stopping the run like that in yeah more than half of the games, right? So Well, I was going to say, I mean, again, you got the pick six here. You had the Chris Tyree muffed punt that set up a, a, an easy Clemson field goal. Like Clemson got a lot of cheap points in this game. They they, they had did. a again they had a seventy a seventy five yard touchdown drive in the first half. They had a seventy five yard touchdown drive in the second half. That's fourteen points. The other seventeen points did not really involve that offense getting many yards at all. Like you, you know, you, you did have a forty one yard touchdown run from Phil Moffa on a one play drive yeah. to, to score their first touchdown. They pick up a muff punt, they kick a field goal, and then they had a pick six. Yeah. You know, so I that's from a from a, this from the sense of like repeatability, like can we do this over and over? I think they might have gotten a little bit lucky here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but um yeah, I I would say they win it. Uh yeah, I'll go four times. Um it's yeah. This is competitive, and, and again, they're they're talented and they're capable, right? So, yeah, that's never been the issue with Clemson. We've never said. I, I mean, we've made the we we've talked about how they don't have like elite skill players on the outside like they've had in the past, but mm-hmm. we've never talked about Clemson like not being talented enough to win the games on their schedule, right? right. It's yeah. never they're never in a position where they're less talented than the teams they're facing, right? At any point this season, they yeah. they've never been less talented, right? Um, or like visibly, you know, it would be marginal right. at, at most. It would be maybe a position group here or there, which is different than it's been in the past, but like a position group here or there where maybe they don't have the advantage that they once had. But like we've never looked at their games, their schedule this year. We're like Clemson's the less talented team. We haven't said that. Right. So, right. I, yeah, this is this is a tough one. Tough one for uh, tough one for Notre Dame, certainly. And a uh, gigantic win for Clemson. Mike, there was something that you mentioned in the uh, quick run through that we we might need to hit on here. Yep. Do you remember what it was, or should I just jump in? Uh, just jump in. There was a uh, there was a conversation that I floated. How long ago? A year oh, okay. ago. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. About one Samuel Hartman. And I believe the way that I phrased the question before was like, "Are we really sure?" That Sam Hartman Pick is six. actually fully, really legit good because he has a number of these games, Mike. Yeah. He has a lot of these games that just are not all that impressive. And especially here at Notre Dame and like a couple of the big games that he's played, mm-hmm. like watching him against Louisville, watching him here against Clemson. I'm not even sure how good he was against Duke. Are we sure? Sure. I think he's, I think he's good. I don't think he's like great. I think. Is he a top 10 quarterback in the country? No, I don't think so either. No. Top 20. Probably. I mean, he's the ACC's all time leading passer touchdowns. Yeah, and Ron Dane is the all-time leading rusher in the NCAA. Like, oh, I wouldn't take twenty. What? How many? How many running? How many running backs historically have taken over Ron Dane? I don't have nearly enough fingers and toes for that. Like, oh I, Jesus, come on! I, look, come on. like, don't yeah, just, I mean, don't be disrespecting Ron Dane. We're a Big Ten podcast. I, I look. 
great that Sam Hartman is the conference's all-time leading passer or whatever, but like my man has been in college basically since I got to college. It feels he's like a, he is in his sixth like, year. So anything anything this year is like feels extra, doesn't man it? Is a professional college quarterback at this point. Like, yeah. You ever play football in the backyard and it's like somebody's like the all-time <laughs> quarterback? He's just the all-time quarterback for whoever yeah. needs one right now. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. He's been there forever. And uh, yeah. you know, so I I get that, but th- but that's that also kind of is like part of my point here is like there is something, especially at the quarterback position, that is so like cerebral and and experience driven and and all this stuff is like for a guy that has played this much college football mm-hmm. and has seen this Clemson team every year that he's been there, you know, and, and all this stuff going sub fifty percent passing, two interceptions, and no touchdowns. Should we expect a little bit better than that? Yeah, I do think that some of this is scheme mm-hmm. driven, though. Only because like <clears throat> only yeah. because I've seen other I'm I've seen other Notre Dame quarterbacks recently struggle with the Tommy Reese, Jared Parker scheme. They're yeah. having issues, kind of pushing the ball down the field. They're having they're having Clemson like issues in mm-hmm. terms of offense schematics. Is what I would say. I mean, we said when he transferred, it's like you're downgrading your receiver room, leaving Wake Forest and going to Notre Dame. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's probably a little bit closer this year, and that's only because Donovan Green got hurt. Otherwise, it would be once again, it would be Wake Forest has a better receiver room. Yeah, this is this is the worst Wake Forest receiver room since Sam Hartman got to college in 1998. So since 1998, yeah. That, that, that you know, I'm a little under the weather. That almost went right over my head. It did not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, huge win for Clemson. Huge win. Cannot emphasize that enough. Yeah. Gigantic win. Dabo um, said, "Buy the stock now." He said, "Buy the stock now." Dabo's back. He's ready to keep it rolling. What do you think Tyler from Spartanburg is going to be asking on the uh, the Colin show on Monday? I. I was going to make a joke I definitely cannot make on this podcast. No, we're just going to skip. I, I can't even make that late night. I'll text it to you. Uh, I look forward to that. Um, uh, well, wellness check. Long and short of it is we're going to have to do a wellness check on Tyler from Spartanburg, I think. <laughs> um, I, I saw that there there was some like speculation that, that was floated around that was like, was Tyler from Spartanburg a plant? Like, was he uh, was this an inside job, basically? Um, and, and I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I had that thought too. It was like, is this staged? Like, is this fake? And then I, I went back and listened to the actual call and the question that was asked. If this was staged and like, he was some sort of an actor, he's a terrible actor because this was like some weird rambling question that went on for like two and a half minutes and did not seem like it got to a point. Like, no, no, no. If you're going to stage this, get the question out in 20 seconds and we're done. Don't make this whole thing about you, Tyler. The so, Tyler, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it was staged. The Tyler from Spartanburg thing, like it's a good example of what happens. You're reading the text message, aren't you? It's a, I am. It's a good, it's a good example of like reading a transcript, right? Reading an abbreviated answer and being like, because I came away from reading it online and thinking, oh, Dabo's an asshole. And then I actually listened to the full Tyler from Spartanburg question, and I was like, you know what? Dabo just put him in his place. Totally fine response from Dabo. Yeah. So just always listen to the audio. 
I, I completely agree. I was like, man, Dabo, like, grow up. You're a grown man. You, you make $9 million a year, whatever we decided it was, like, all right. this stuff. You can take it. And then, yeah, you go back to listen to the question, and it was, like, extremely, like, insulting the way that it was worded. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Tone, the tone of Tyler from Spartanburg, and, yeah. It's one of those things where, like, I know we're we're in a different day and age than we used to be, but, like, you can't just say stuff like whatever you want to people and expect no repercussions, like especially to their face, yeah. which I do respect. In the, I mean, it wasn't totally to his face, but that's you know, yeah. at least he did that versus like Twitter, right? Right. So, yeah, uh, big win for Clemson and Tyler from Spartanburg. Clemson thirty-one, Notre Dame twenty-three. Do me a solid since it's a live show. Mm-hmm. Can you do our home field and uh, vivid seats reads while I grab a tissue? I can. I can. Beautiful. Absolutely. That's what happens when I'm sick. Um, once again, if you're looking for some high quality, great looking, super comfy, wife approved uh, collegiate apparel, especially looking from the vintage side of things, if that's kind of your style, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10, 15% off your first order. Excuse me. Um, they have every program in the ACC on there, except for Stanford, as we like to note. Uh, but every other program in the ACC has stuff on homefieldapparel.com. Uh, I have some. Mike has some. Scott has some. It is all super comfortable. Uh, our, our buddy Banana Slug was actually DMing me this week, uh, trying to set up a bet on Georgia Tech, Virginia, saying, hey, winner gets home field uh, bought for the other. And I, uh, I told him I couldn't do that because I, I just – don't trust Georgia Tech like at all, but I should have because uh, it would have worked out quite well in my favor, actually. Uh, once again, use promo code GOACC at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. Uh, we've got they've, they've got some new bomber jackets that have come out. Uh, they've got some sweet, uh, I don't know what you call them, truck. They're not trucker hats, but they're, they're like flat bill hats for some, uh, some of the notable basketball programs out there. Um, I noticed that NC State was not on there, which I, I've been told was a basketball program, a basketball school. Um, but in any case, they've got one. I know they got one for Louisville. Um, I think they will have one for a couple other ACC programs as well. So w- once again, use promo code GOACC for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. We would really appreciate if you would do that. Uh, also, we would really appreciate if you would use the link in the description and use promo code BCPOD20 to get $20 off your first order of $200 or more at VividSeats.com. Again, they have tickets for all sorts of events, not just college football, anything you're trying to do. You're you're going to, again, go to a college football game, go to an NFL game, you're going to uh, the World Series game next year, Uh, you're going to one of these like weird NBA in-season tournament games, you're going to a concert, Whatever you're going to, if you're going to get tickets, go to vividseats.com. If your order costs $200 or more, get $20 off. Use BCPod20. Use the Make sure that you use the link in the description in whatever form you're watching this podcast. Could be in a YouTube video. Could be in the audio version, whatever. We've got links there. Use that link. Go get $20 off your order of $200 or more from vividseats.com. Uh, let's go to the Dome. Or I guess, depending on what frame you want to look at this, Chestnut Hill, in theory, because but this is all about, well, uh, it's not all about Boston College. I want to talk about Dino's job security, because I think he's Dude. in trouble. Uh, Boston College 17, Syracuse 10, at on the road on Friday night. We have to at have the a JMA, somewhere. At, 
at the JMA Wireless Dome. Syracuse is now 0-5 in the ACC. Uh, hit this in the rapid reaction at the top of this podcast. Carlos? 0-5. Carlos Del Rio Wilson started in place of Garrett Trader. Garrett Trader dealing with injuries that he suffered against Virginia Tech. Which, like... I don't know where exactly this came from. All I know is that you texted me like 30 minutes before kickoff. And you're like, yeah, by the way, Garrett Schrader's out there not wearing pads for warmups. And it's like, oh. And uh, yeah, thankfully I was able to switch out my uh, my pick'em pick for the week. because That's good. I wish FanDuel was as forgiving. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, this wasn't good, right? Because Syracuse no. goes out there with Carlos Del Rio Wilson. We mentioned his stat line off the top, but uh, folks, it was not very good. He was seven of seventeen for thirty-seven yards and four interceptions. So, when almost twenty-five percent of the passes you throw are turnovers, that's that's not the goal, Carlos. I, I would say that uh, more than half of his passes were intercepted. Yeah, I'm sorry. More more than I mean, if, if you're doing it based on completions, sorry. Oh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Through four to the other team. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, he threw seventeen seven passes for four to the other team, yeah, and then God, brutal. Yeah, that brutal. that was not good, and I, I don't feel like I've ever really been like impressed, like blown away by Carlos Del Rio Wilson when he's coming to the game for Syracuse, but this game in particular was like, dude, you look way out of your league here, and he and that's kind of concerning against a Boston College defense that isn't like really impressive yeah man Syracuse he looked a little banged up spot he looked a little banged up too like he did not look healthy at some points during this game so i don't know if that yeah. was like an injury he suffered in game or what but man yeah uh syracuse is four and five joey we'll talk about the boston college side because this is this has like there's a lot of coach drama here on both sides right so i mean mm-hmm. let's talk about the syracuse side because i think that's the most relevant at least the most urgent I was gonna say really quick, Halfley is fine. Halfley's not going anywhere. He's, he's not getting no, no, no. He's keeping his job. Yep. Uh, four and five. Syracuse has Pittsburgh next week. That's a winnable game at home. Uh, Syracuse goes on the road to Georgia Tech. Depending on what version of Georgia Tech you get, that is a winnable game. And then you host Wake Forest. That's also a winnable game. Here's the problem, though. I think Syracuse is going to lose all three of those. I was gonna say the the way that I have seen Syracuse play the last two weeks. None there there is not a winnable game on their schedule. I agree. Yeah, like I agree. That's they the roundabout way. Bad. Yeah. Bad, bad. Um and, and I mean I'll give some credit to their defense. Like it's 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 kind of like a an NC State light situation, which kind of that that's a hell of a way to look at the world is you know your <laughs> NC State light. <laughs> um their defense still plays their tails off. They they work yeah. hard and they they try to make Boston College earn everything they got in this game. And credit to them. Yeah. Again, Syracuse's offense did jack squat for Didn't almost this entire game. Did not do a thing. Um. I mean, I watched this game Friday night. I felt myself getting like visibly angry at like <laughs> we've got to do better than this. And 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 part of it is like again. I didn't feel like Boston College looked good at all. And and I don't it felt like Thomas Castellanos like wasn't fully healthy. It felt like they were hesitant to use him in the run game any more than they had to. 
but this was just such a like it was an absolute slop fest of a game, man. Like it was this was not good. If this version of Boston College shows up next weekend against Virginia Tech mm-hmm. and the version of the Hokies that has been showing up on a more consistent basis recently shows up. I feel very good about Virginia Tech's chances. I don't think Boston College played very well here. Like no. Castellanos was Castellanos was not good. Like did I understand his his numbers on the ground end up looking decent and there were a couple of big pass plays he hit on the second half, but like this this is not this was not a good offensive night for Boston College. Like if you watch the game, it's pretty apparent how much they were struggling offensively. And this Syracuse defense gave up 38 points to Virginia Tech last week in Blacksburg. Syracuse's defense was on the field for over 42 minutes here. Like Syracuse couldn't move the ball at all. Boston College, like if you just look at the yardages, you're like, oh, what do you mean bad, bad day? They ran up 350 yards of offense. If that's a bad day, like you'd take that. Dude, Boston College's offense was on the field the whole game. And they (laughs) was like. Oh, yeah, they ran it for 185 yards. Like, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah but it took them almost 60 carries to get there. Yeah, well, well, I'm, I'm going to solve this for us right now. They averaged out. a shade over three yards a carry in 60 carries. Like, I think the longest the longest run they had was for 12 yards. The longest pass they had was for 21. Like, Boston College, this was, man... This was this was a hard watch, Mike. This was not a fun watch at all. Just two teams that just could not do a whole lot very well. I didn't feel like, at least on offense, like the defenses were were uh, given full effort. That's for sure. Boston College only averaged three point nine nine, so basically like four yards per play here. They Dude, ran. That's not good. They ran ninety four plays from scrimmage. <laughs> 94 plays. They came up with 350 yards and Syracuse 17 ran, points. Syracuse ran 50 plays. They doubled them up in plays. And 47 the, plays. Yeah, it was literally, literally double the number of plays. Yep. Double the number of plays, and they won the game by seven. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. This was... Again, I felt like the game plan for Boston College did not make sense here. Um, and, and I feel like they're... I think we said Thomas Castellanos went out of this game at one point, I think with an injury. Um, there, there was a little bit of Moorhead in this game. And I, but like I tweeted out at one point, Boston College has run 20 offensive snaps and has thrown 13 pass attempts. Like we need to have a federal investigation into this. I think there's yeah. some point, there's like point shaving going on here. This doesn't make sense. This is bad. You don't have Thomas Castellanos in the game because he throws the ball well. He doesn't. You text me, you're like, I'm fairly certain BC is point shaving here. Yeah. Yeah. It was mostly a joke, but not entirely. Like what I I mean, I was I was okay with that holding a Syracuse minus two ticket. So I mean, yeah. Gross. Yeah, I w- so I will say this. Okay. We took Syracuse. It was like line stinks. We gotta steer into this. Garrett Trader's playing, right? I would not have I would not have steered into this if I had known Garrett Schrader was going to be out there in street clothes the whole night. No. Not a chance. No. That would have been nice to know. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't really know where that came from either. Like, he played the whole game against Virginia Tech, didn't he? Mm-hmm. 
Was there a moment where you're like, oh, he's like kind of limping off? Something's not right. Nothing? I mean, he got ki- I mean, he got killed there, right? He had like Tech had eight sacks. So I mean, there were some times where he was kind of just, you know, yeah. No, he's felt better, I'm sure, walking off the field, some points yeah. of that game, yeah. but nothing that indicated that he was going to be like real hurt or couldn't play. Yeah. It was shocking. I was going to say it, it was, you know, you, you hear the thing about like playing an NFL game is the physical equivalent of getting in a car accident. Like it, it it'll mess with your body. Like, yeah, like yeah. Garrett Schrader got beat up last week, mm-hmm. but same, same thing with Tyler Van Dyke against UNC. It was like, yeah, he got beat up in that game. Didn't realize it was a keep him out of the next game kind of situation. Right. So, right. In any case. So yeah. Th- Gross game, Boston College Bowl eligible. Um, <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I think their best win by far has to be at Georgia Tech. I thought you were going to say Holy Cross. I, I, that was the other one I was looking at. It was like, yeah. is, is Holy Cross a better win than Georgia Tech? Maybe. Um, yeah, this schedule all of a sudden is like, I don't know, man. That Army that army wins agent awfully well after the way they kicked the piss out of Air Force today. Well, that's like Army's like maybe third win of the year, so it's not. I mean, Army's bad. Army's not bad. that good. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Boston College is finding a way. That's what I'll say. They're finding a way. Going to a bowl game, and I don't think they're. I I really don't think they're that good. I'm still I, not changing my tune. But again, just the way the schedule's gone, the way that Georgia Tech game went. They're finding a way. It would be far more alarming for Virginia Tech to lose to Boston College than it would for Virginia Tech to lose to Louisville on the road. I'm sorry. Like, you think fans are mad this week? Boy, boy, man. Do you know what uh, what makes that Georgia Tech win significant among the uh, the other five games that Boston College has won? No. Boston College has six wins this year. Uh huh. Georgia Tech was the only game that they've won by more than one score. That's repeatable, right? Beat a bunch of bad teams by one score every year. You can do that. And definitely get bowl eligible results, Jeff Happley. Mm-hmm. Playing with fire, my guy. I was gonna say a bunch of three point seven point wins. Sure. Okay. Have fun again next year. So Dino's probably going to get fired, but like, whatever. I I, yeah. At some point, like, a we've talked about this. Like, what do you expect from Syracuse? Like, it's it's a tough job, a very tough job. I think Um, it reflects more on Syracuse than it does Dino Babers. Is what I would say. But I also think it's fair to look at this and be like, we're we're pretty stale here. Like, we got to try something new. This is what you need to do if you're Syracuse. You like get a guy who like has a couple of good seasons, and then once he flames out, you just hire somebody else to do the exact same thing. Yeah, that's what they're going to be in perpetuity until they decide that they want to be more than just basketball school. Yeah. So, uh, uh, by the way, I completely forgot. So you you floated the name uh, yesterday in the group chat as we were talking about this game. You said if they move on from Dino, they should go with Sean Lewis, mm-hmm. and I said. The only problem I think with that is that if I'm not mistaken, Sean Lewis is off the same like Bryles offense tree that Dino is from. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Syracuse is going to want to try something different. Mike, do you want to know what I like realized this afternoon that I like completely just blanked on? What would that be? So Sean Lewis was is, is the offensive coordinator right now, or, or up until Friday was. Yeah, Whatever he should that probably means. be. By, by the way, Colorado lost. Should, he should probably be the offensive coordinator again. Without the offense, say, yeah. By the way. He he was the problem there. Um, <laughs> okay, so Colorado hired him. He was the head coach at Kent State. Mike, do you remind? Do you remember? what Sean Lewis was doing when Kent State Kent Kent State hired Sean Lewis to be the head coach. Do, do I remember what Kent State was doing? No, no. Do you remember what Sean Lewis was doing before he was Kent State's head coach? No. He was Dino's offensive coordinator at Syracuse. <laughs> so so that that would be fine then. You're hiring a Dino guy to replace Dino. <laughs> What's the point? Do it again. <laughs> I had forgotten about Run this. That I think it was 2016. I think it was Dino's first offensive coordinator at Syracuse was Sean Lewis. So long ago. I don't think they're going to do it. No. And and honestly, I don't know if that – I don't know. I mean, a guy that can make bowl games at Kent State repeatedly is significant. I think he's the first guy that's done that since some guy named Saban. Um, but, like – I think they would. I think they would go a different route. The name that I floated, I think that makes a ton of sense, and who is just way overdue for a bigger job is Jeff Munkin. Yeah, and and if you're looking at that, you're like, oh well, yeah, but Army's bad this year. Like, dude, ignore this year. Bigger picture, he has done really well at Army for a long time with you know finding ways to overachieve their talent level. I think that would play really well at Syracuse. By the way, it's in state for what that's worth. Like, so I don't know. He's the the more significant thing to me is that he's used to making the most out of limited resources. Yeah, like Army's Army, they Which don't is... recruit really. I mean, they yeah. do, but they don't, right? I mean, the whole thing with these service academies, right, is like part of it is that like their offensive line, they're still service academy students, meaning they have to pass like physical like weight checks and stuff at times a year. You can't have offensive linemen more than like. 275 because they'll get kicked out of the academy right like you know you talk about finding ways to to win games with like kind of deficiencies or like hard boundaries you're playing against he's done it at army for a long time yeah we know buddy dino can replace sean lewis that is hysterical that is really funny i think there's probably worse uh worse offensive coordinator hires that Dion could make honestly. Like, I'd hire Dino tomorrow. Yeah, I'd I, hire Dino tomorrow. We have talked a lot on this podcast. I don't think this is a Dino problem. I do not either. I, I do I not think, either. I think Syracuse is a sneaky, really difficult job, and I'd maybe say. not that sneaky. Willie Fritz, maybe the Georgia Tech fan base might implode on itself. That would be very funny. If they start I, regularly losing to Willie Fritz Syracuse. I will say that is the funniest outcome. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how likely it is, but that is the funniest outcome. Uh, that is that is true. That yeah. is true. That would go very poorly. Yeah. Never forget, Dino ran off Jawar Jordan from Syracuse. I mean, he did, but that was like five years ago, so I don't... Whatever. Thank you, Hari Balls. Yes. Thank <laughs> Uh, let's move uh, on before I get in trouble. Uh, Boston College 17, Syracuse 10. Shout out, Jeff Happley. Uh, Duke 24, Wake Forest 21. 
whatever. You know <laughs> like, what? Whatever. In, in a year that is a bad year for Wake, this is a bad loss for Wake. This is tough. Yeah, you had you had a lead in the fourth quarter against a Duke team that was not moving the ball like at all. That they looked like they were way in over their heads. Um, Wake Wake should have won this game. Mitch Griffiths again starts the game like thirteen for thirteen passing. If I had, if I if on the preview if I had said Mike you know over under six and a half passes before Mitch Griffiths throws an incompletion. I mean, I would have bet the mortgage on an under. under yeah, under. Right? Like, they, like, doubled that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I I, I kind of can't believe that Wake found a way to lose this game. Um, and if I'm remembering right, it's been two days now, and, you know, I've I've slept and I've parented and all this stuff. If if I'm remembering right, wasn't there a situation here late in this game? So, and, and oh, oh, yes. So I tweeted this out afterwards. It was like, I don't know the last time that I watched a Wake Forest game and I came away thinking to myself, they don't look very well coached. Because I believe it was Duke's drive tied a one. Yeah. Duke's got the ball driving down. And at one point, there is a, a bad pass interference, basically, where or Duke hucks a deep ball down there. Yeah. If the defender just gets his head around, he might have been able to intercept it, number yeah. one. Uh, number two, the receiver's probably not going to catch it. Number three, the defender, not only does he not play the ball, not get his head around all this stuff, he like, you know, full on gets his hands on the receiver, like blatantly is interfering with this pass. Like it's a, it's an unquestionable pass interference call and it's just totally unnecessary. Number one. Then a few plays after that, uh, I think I want to say it was like a third down or something like Duke kind of runs this this pass out to the flats. Wake has him stopped short of the sticks and then the defender takes it upon themselves to deliver a full on German suplex uh, and get an extra 15 yards just for no apparent reason. That, was, like a work just, of, that was a work of art, by the way. It's like, yeah, th- this was going to be kind of a long field goal for Duke that from a college kicker standpoint, that is not a sure thing hitting like a 46, 47 yarder from the hash. But instead, it's 15 yards and it's a first down and, and Duke goes down and, and ends up kicking like a chip shot, you know, right up the middle. Um, yeah, I, I, I was frustrated with Wake in this game. Like you, you could have won this game for sure. And instead, you kind of screwed around and, and did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that Wake Forest found themselves this version of Wake Forest found themselves in a position that they haven't been in very often this year, where they were kind of they were never like in control of the game, but this is like the most in control they had an opportunity to be really mm-hmm. in a, in a long time, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, against a team that. You know, they play against pretty frequently, and I think means a lot to the Duke fan base, right? Like, they want to beat, or I'm sorry, the Wake Forest fan base. Like, they want to beat this Duke team, right? They want to beat them. Now, I think they would have preferred to have beaten this Duke team at full strength, obviously not having Riley Leonard as a killer. Riley Leonard, by the way, is going to be out for a while for Duke. Yeah. So that that's a consequence of this game. He's not going to only miss this game. He's going to miss a bunch of time here. That's a slightly different discussion, but also probably one we need to have a little bit of... Uh... What yeah. exactly happened there and why? I 
I've been kind of leading that charge for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have. You're right. Thinking that maybe he shouldn't have played the Florida State game and maybe he would have been in a little bit healthier and healthier spot against Louisville <laughs> to not only play better, but maybe also protect himself from further injury. Mm-hmm. Now he's out for an extended period of time. I don't know if that's because he played on an injured ankle right maybe he shouldn't have i don't know if it's like further injury you know how we're going to find out though if elko were to stick around and laird hits the transfer portal Mm. it's probably when we find out uh learn a thing or two that day yeah or they'll both leave and if Leonard doesn't follow Elko where he goes that's probably another good indicator uh Mm -hmm. so just keep an eye on all that but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, the, the takeaway for me here is like Wake Forest found themselves in a position they haven't been in very often where yep. they were beating and also like in a competitive game with a competent team. And they didn't really know how to handle it. Yep. And that's kind of the, you know, when the game started tightening up late, that's when you kind of saw the worst of Wake come out. Yeah. And it's it's a team that doesn't really know how to win right now. Yeah. And and they're young in a lot of spots. Like I know they got they got veterans in, in the receiving core and stuff like that, but they're young on defense. Like obviously quarterback's been a revolving door. We know they're young there. This is just one of those Clawson teams where it's just not and he hasn't had one of these in a really long time, but like they haven't gotten quarterback right this year. No. And they've had some injuries too. So like I want I want like they've had some injuries too. Losing Donovan Green at the outset is a killer. Like, yeah, you, you can't replace that. I mean, that, that's an unbelievable loss. If they had been really fortunate on injuries, this was never going to be an easy year to begin with. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then they started getting some crucial injuries, and everything got that much more difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's tough. I, uh, I'm still a Dave Kloss guy. Like, I don't think yeah. you just walk into the wake job and. I mean, he's 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 in this spot, too, where like he's not he gets criticized a lot. I think when Wake has like bad games or they have a bad year, he's getting criticized a lot in the Virginia Tech fan base because like he was a candidate for the tech job. And like for some reason, people going into today were like, aren't we lucky we end up with Pry instead of Clawson? I'm like, I don't know. Like Clawson's a good coach. Send him somewhere where he could recruit. I don't know. Like. Who knows, man? Like, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I think the the slander against Kloss is a little crazy. I mean, Wake is four and five. They have games left: NC State at Notre Dame at Syracuse. They will need to pull a fairly significant up upset, I think, yeah. to make a bowl game. They'll have to. Yeah. Do you know the last time that Wake Forest missed a bowl? It's been a while because they, they made one with a losing record in 20. It was before we started this podcast, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. It was 2015 in year two under Dave Clawson that they last missed a bowl. They went three yeah. and nine. Starting in 2016, they have made bowls in seven straight years. <clears throat> Never been one, done, by the way. One bad year, one down year, a couple injuries, whatever. Are we throwing out Dave Clawson? No, 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 I, no, no, no. I don't think no, that, no, that, no, that no, was no. ever a discussion. No, no, that's yeah. not ever a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, not even an option. So, I mean, Jim Grobe is the Jim Grobe's the winningest coach 
in Wake yeah. Forest history. Yeah. And Clawson's already taken him in more bowl games. Yeah. Yeah. And in less years, fewer years. So yep. let's, yeah, definitely not have that discussion. You, you do make a good point that they didn't, uh, 2020, they did make it to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Duke's Mayo Bowl, I guess they were four and four pri- prior to the four bowl and game. four prior. Yeah. So I guess they were yeah, five. They, they yeah. finished, finished Lost four and five, game. which, you know, whatever. Um, the big takeaway I had from this game, honestly, and, and it's, I don't know how fair this is or whatever, but is, uh, there was a distinct, distinct difference between first three quarters, Mitch Griffiths and fourth quarter, Mitch Griffiths. Oh yeah. Um, because again, through three quarters, Mitch Griffiths basically didn't have an incomplete pass. Um, the offense kind of kept stalling out, but it, it, I, I don't know that I would really pin it on him. Like I thought he played almost about as well as he could have through three quarters. Yeah. And then Mike, literally the first play of the fourth quarter, Wake has third and five around midfield. Mitch Griffiths, uh, I don't know if it was a QB draw or if it was a scramble, but basically he ends up kind of going up the middle. And on the on the prior drive, he had scored a touchdown, kind of jumping into the end zone, like a little bit of a Superman dive, got hit by two or three defenders on the way down, uh, but held on. He, he gets up, he like does the whole like, rip his you know like kind of signals like he's like ripping his shirt open to show the superman logo you know whatever (laughs) yeah you know he's really like hamming it up next drive first play of the fourth quarter third and five up the middle does the same like kind of dive gets hit by three duke defenders fumbles loses the ball first play of the fourth quarter fumbles loses the ball yeah next two wake drives three and out five plays punt and then he goes six plays, interception. And the interception, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. I, if I'm remembering this right, because it's been two days. I know it was a cold night in North Carolina. Like it was, I think it was at least in the low 40s, if not where in the going? 30s. Where, where, where are you going with this? He looked like he just like lost the ball. Like it, I don't know if it was like a pump fake or what it was, but like that did not look like a proper pass coming out oh. of his hand. Basically. Okay. Fair. I thought you were gonna make a joke about how he shriveled up or something. Well, you know they, they, that that joke could absolutely be made. It's um, on the table. It's on the table. I mean, I, I want to say I remember. So like he he starts throwing the ball and it just it's like one of those things where like you start gripping something, but it, you don't have a good enough grip and it's like kind of cold and and dry and he just like his like his hand kind of clamped down and the ball just like slips out basically. Like it did not look like a proper pass. Stop looking at me like that. That's the stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's the stuff. All I know is he went over to the sideline and immediately it was like putting like a like a glove on his throwing hand. Like, oh, I, I should have been wearing this the whole time. Yeah, you probably should have, dude. Yeah. 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 Like, you know. Anyways, they never got the ball back. Um, Duke goes down and, and keeps the ball the rest of the game and kicks a field goal and wins. And, you know, Grayson Loftus for Duke, you know, gutsy effort. Funny to me watching him play instead of Henry Boleyn, you know, I, I, who I think, I think is banged up. I mean, sure. I'll, I'll give him that credit. Sure. He's banged up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Duke, I, you know, good coaching effort by Mike Elko and the staff. Duke, I think it's a little bit lucky to win this game. Like wake out gains him by 130 yards. And I mean, just, 
Duke did barely enough and mostly just capitalized on Wake mistakes here. Like Wake should yeah. have won this game and yeah. they did not. And that might end up being the reason they don't go bowling this year. Yep. Yeah. Now you need it. So need it. Didn't have it. Yep. Duke 24, Wake 21. I, I didn't watch a second of Carolina, but they won by 52. They were tied at seven, I think, what, late in the first quarter. And, and then, uh, then they scored 50. Then they scored 52 unanswered. 52 straight. Yeah. So okay. that's, uh, that's a good way to win a game. Okay. Good for them. Awards? I don't think, I, there's <laughs> maybe only like one or two sports in the world where uh, 52 straight points isn't going to win you a game. So, yeah. Wow. You sent my brain down a rabbit hole. Anyway. <laughs> I want to say uh, cricket. Cricket's maybe the only one I can think of that you, you might not win if you score 52 straight points, but basketball, baseball, football, soccer, hockey. Score, scoring 52 straight at, in a baseball game would be something. Mm-hmm. Sure would. Or in hockey. Or, or in, in hockey. That too. <laughs> Hell, it's an accomplishment in football. It sure is. It sure is. So good job, North Carolina. Nothing more on that. Nice uh, November 2nd FCS game. Yeah, good scheduling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'd be scheduling. I'd be scheduling games, too. If I was losing to Georgia Tech and Virginia, I'd also be scheduling FCS games. That's neither here nor there, though, of mm-hmm. course. respectfully. Still on an FBS losing streak for, the, for what that's worth. Yeah, you still don't have my respect. On that note awards i think so uh for can we just like start with a, a big like group kobe bryant memorial volume shooter of the week award oh which was God. there's there's so many like half of the quarterbacks in the conference this week <laughs> this was a mess. so bad so bad dude uh thomas castellanos Check. had a real rough game uh kate klubnik had a real rough game carlos del rio wilson He's he's the leader of the pack. I was gonna say 17 attempts for 37 yards. Not good. Um, I know Kyron Drones. I know Kyron Drones' line wasn't good, but I can't pull it up right now. Box score won't work. Yeah. Uh, I want to say yeah. MJ Morris was. Eh, it wasn't terrible. Um, it wasn't good though. It wasn't it wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of lots of volume shooters this week. So congrats yeah. to all of them. Oh, Cade Klubnik, by the way. Yeah, you mentioned him, I think. Yeah, Cade Klubnik. I didn't have um, his numbers, but they weren't good. Yeah, Cade Klubnik, uh, 26 attempts for 109 yards. Oh, God. <laughs> Average a, a, a real, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A, uh, a potent 4.2 yards per attempt. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, um, Hartman and Klubnik combined for quick math. 26 of 56 for 257 yards. 255 yards. 255. Yeah. Quite the display there in Death Valley. So bad. Yeah, not great. Uh, Do we have a go ACC moment of the week? I don't. I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board. I mean, wake with two horrendous penalties on a... uh drive you're trying to trying to get a stop and either give your chance your team a chance to go down and win the game or at least send it to overtime and instead you're creating totally unnecessary pass interference and uh suplexing a guy out of for no reason like yeah what are we doing wake really bad yeah that wasn't great um 
Yeah, I think that was that, that was probably the best one I got for uh, Kelly's move of the week. Yeah, I mean, I could shift. I'm, I'm going to shift some things around real quick. The I had a stroke. Lee Corso Memorial. I had a stroke award. Could go to Carlos Del Rio Wilson, completing seven passes, but also so, throwing four interceptions. Like, what was that like it, in the pregame or like? Yeah, really bad. Uh, and then I could just give Chris Tyree of Notre Dame, who's they're an yeah. ACC, they're a voting member. Um, he could be the you tried award for field trying to field punts. Yeah, that wasn't great. Now. Um. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay. Is there anything else? Are we forgetting something? What's the chat got? Uh, we got play. We gotta do a uh, quick trigger on face masks. Oddly specific. Yeah. Uh. Oh, player of the week, team of the week. Well, we can do that. I gotta stop the music because it's not the uh, n- not the mocking portion of the awards. That's the uh, actual that's celebratory stuff. That's true. Uh, team of the week. Uh, it's going to have to be Clemson. For I me. think Clemson. Yeah. yeah. Not usually, but this week, I think it is. Yeah. They're the team we make fun of usually. I'd say runners up, probably NC State and Georgia Tech. Well, not probably not Georgia Tech. They did their thing. Um, maybe Duke, possibly. Yeah. Uh, oh, NC State's a good one. Yeah. Depending on what you think of Miami. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We've uh, gone for so long that. Uh, daylight time just started i was determined to like get done before we had to like make clock changing jokes or you know like references basically yeah but we're approaching two hours so you know yeah this is what happens we still got folks with us here in the chat hell yeah man yeah happy 1 a.m you're all either single or you got wipes and kids asleep it's 1 a.m here too by the way yeah or husbands you know maybe there are some females out there listening to us probably not though Almost certainly not. No. I wouldn't listen to us more than I had to either. Uh, <laughs> I threw on the uh, the preview in the car today. Yeah. Because like, we were driving out yeah. to my parents. Oh, man. I hope you didn't have the volume turned up too loud. It wasn't It wasn't that loud, but, you know, it was only on for 30 seconds for the wife. Like, instant veto, hard no. Like, I'm not listening to this while you're sitting right here. So. Yeah. Which one of those jokes that I made was she like, no, we're not doing this? <laughs> it wasn't even long enough for her to hear. It didn't matter. It was yeah. like, not doing this. Yeah. Scott was in his bag the other night, too. With he the was. Sound he effects was. Too, so that's, that's an element. I would have been the thing to say tonight is that like, Scott was suspended for his, uh, his actions. Scott was suspended. But... Yes, that would have been funnier. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been much funnier. Do we have a player of the week? Um uh, Isaac Garenda from uh, the Louisville running back. Extremely efficient. His the, the the box score now won't pull up for me, but he had, he had a really good game. He had like 155, 160 yards rushing. He was really good. Um, good Georgia Tech often involves good Haynes King. Yeah, he was and, really uh, good. When Haynes King is good, he is good. And so that guy for sure. A um, couple rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Did his work through the air. I think Georgia Tech might have scored two rushing touchdowns on like third and long plays from like kind of the edge of field goal range that they were really just trying to set up a, a more manageable field goal. And then Virginia just like accidentally didn't tackle them at all. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like nobody there. It's like, oh, hey, look. So Some, something you want to make sure you do. Oh, uh, obvious one. I can't believe we took this long. Phil Maffa. Sure. Yeah. Jesus. 
he's probably the player of the week. 186 yards on 36 carries, two scores. I mean, that, that's got to be probably like top of the leaderboard on this, the season rushing totals allowed by Notre Dame. Like, I can't think that anybody has gone for more than 186 yards on the Irish defense this year. Maybe Jawar Jordan, actually, now that I think of it. I mean, Clemson's played some mid-ass games this year, and I'm trying to see. I'm going back to the Charleston Southern game real quick to see if Clemson had a better rushing output against Notre Dame or Charleston Southern. Hmm. They had 274 against Charleston Southern. Hmm. It's just raw yards per carry. Jawar Jordan went for 143 uh, Notre Dame. So that yeah. did Pretty not good. eclipse Phil Maffa. No. Nice. Uh, Trevion Henderson barely eclipsed 100 yards. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is it, NFL teams draft Phil Maffa before you draft Trevion Henderson or George. <laughs> there are GMs who do their job way worse than you just did right there. I would say, <laughs> so. Yeah, I see some of the decisions made in the NFL and I'm like, I could do that job. Yeah. Frequently. Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else in Week Ten? I could be a fire GM. That that's got nothing to do with Week Ten. That, sure. There's one thing I'd be good at. It's collecting a gigantic paycheck and not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know might put you in line with a couple of the GMs in the league these days. Entirely possible. Might put me in line with a couple of ACC coaches. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. I think that's all I got. Nice, tidy one hour and 57 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be by the time we're done. Yep, absolutely. Let's hurry up and get out of here before we get to 158. And uh, I'm getting close to going back to one o'clock, too. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We've had a lot of fun. Really appreciate the folks here in the chat. Uh, they joined us here at youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, please go do that yourself. If you're uh, if you're not subscribed, we would really appreciate you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon. You'll find out when we're going to go live uh, and come join in the chat with us. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, we're on Twitter. I'm at FGS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man: basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, all those other great places. If you're just looking for the podcast on audio, you can find them wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, hit that subscribe button, send us reviews. We got a great review in the last like week or so. Was that, was that Lee? Nobody was, who was it? Mike? Yo, Reich. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. Yo, Reich or whatever. Friend um, of the show. Hard to pronounce the name, but yeah, friend of the show. And it was a, uh, <laughs> It was a phenomenal, like spot on, just loaded with inside jokes. Basically, we uh, we appreciated that. That was great. It was not Lee nobody confirmed. Yeah, he confirmed it for us. <laughs> Mike, we're also on the social medias. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC podcast ACC. Like Joey mentioned, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Appreciate you all subscribing. We are really growing a nice little reach on YouTube. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably should have done the whole YouTube thing a little bit earlier. So Scott pushed us into that, and we are just keeping the pedal down with a bunch of momentum. And we say this every year, but we're really going to have to do some off-season stuff because we got some momentum going. Yep. And yep. that's when we don't record something for like two months. That's what yeah. happens. 
Well, honestly, truthfully, and, and totally transparently, like the, having the live streams and having the commenters, I, I have gotten a lot of enjoyment out of this year. I have too, man. I have too. Not to say that this was growing stale because you and I always have a good time. Yeah. But to have, but we, we added Scott into the mix and then we added the live shows and it's like new life being brought forth into the Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, Lee likes our podcast so much. He asked that we restart (laughs) the podcast. It's 1am again. I don't know that we like the commenters that much that we would Lee, just start do another do rapid kids? recap. <laughs> Lee, do you have kids? Because the clocks may go back an hour, but my kid doesn't sleep an extra hour. So yeah. I made the comment earlier to my my parents. They're like, "Well, like you're going to get an extra hour of sleep tonight, so like you can stay a little bit later." I was like, "Here's the problem: is that it I doesn't really sleep. work that way with kids because kids don't understand how clocks work, or dogs, by the way, which." Yeah. Between between you and I, we have three kids and three dogs yeah. total. So all they know well, is it's kind of light outside and they're hungry and they're ready to play. Yeah. They don't care yeah. what the clock says. They don't care how much you drank last night. They don't care what time you went to bed. Lee, nobody. One daughter, six months old. You're oh, probably God getting ready. To, you're probably getting ready to feed her. Mm-hmm. Like, you probably fed her like four times in the time we did this podcast. I was going to say whatever, whatever time, you know, if she wakes up at 630 every morning. Brother, she's going to wake up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. So, uh, good luck. Yeah, I'll be texting Joey at 4 a.m. Eastern time. (laughs) (sighs) All right. On that note, that's all I got on week 10, Mike. You want to get out of here and get whatever sleep we've got? Yeah, the preview is going to be good this week. So, looking forward to that. It will be. It will be. Keep it tuned here. We got the preview for week 11 coming your way. We're in November, man. We're like, we're getting close to the end here. So, uh. Yeah, keep it tuned here. Uh, go subscribe, youtube.com slash at the ACC Football Podcast if you're not already. Appreciate those who are. It's hard to believe. It is. It yeah. is. But still, you want to come back and uh, preview it? Yeah, we got Thursday game this week, Virginia on the road at Louisville. That'll be interesting if you like smut films. Louisville minus 14. Little maybe film action. Maybe 16. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with no musket. Yeah, that's gonna be no musket, 16 yeah. or more. So yeah. yeah, not great. Yeah, gonna be tough. Yep. Gonna be tough. Yep, so. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Get some sleep. Have a good night. We'll come back and preview week eleven. Thanks to the folks in the chat. Good night to you guys too. Good night. Yep. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very, very soon. And until then, go ACC.